Hello, and welcome back to Goat Homeschooling with Erin and Amanda. Today, we're going to talk about all the pressures that homeschool moms feel to earn income. Welcome to Goat Homeschooling with Erin and Amanda. I'm Erin. And I'm Amanda. This is the podcast to encourage moms that have been at this homeschooling gig longer than five years and plan on sticking with it through the high school years. The long haulers, as we like to say. We want to help you have the greatest of all time homeschool that meets the needs of your family by encouraging you with real conversations on the issues that pop up as you've been in this homeschool lifestyle for years. So it'll be fun to try and see if there's people out there that need the encouragement and there's anything that we can do to help others as they get started on their journey. That'd be awesome. That's what we're here for. Amanda a couple of days ago that I'd been speaking with another mom that homeschooled and we just kind of got talking about that topic of, you know, there's a lot of us that either have a small business, do things on the side to earn income. And that when a lot of homeschool moms that have been doing this for a long time, uh, maybe they feel financial pressure, maybe their husband lost their job or, you know, COVID shifted a lot of people's job location (laughs) Mm -hmm. from home are too home from going into the office. So there's been a lot of shifts. I feel like even within some people's, like their husband's income or their own side hustle that they were working on, they shifted or pivoted different things. So we got to talking about that. And I just kind of observed something that what I see a lot is when that pressure to earn income happens, the mom gives up homeschooling to send the kids back to school. Have you seen that? I I think we have some mutual friends who've had that happen. I don't know that it's always necessarily talked about a whole lot, you know, because one day those kids are there in the homeschooling co-op or what have you, and then the next day they're they're not. And so you don't really get, always get the follow-up with it. But, you know, I got to say, when I was growing up, my mom always tried to instill in me as a woman that participated in sit-ins in the 1960s and you know, she burned her bra and ironed her hair literally with like a clothing iron back before we all had hair straighteners that never depend on a man, never depend on a man financially. And that was something that I heard. Mm-hmm. If I heard it once, I heard it a thousand times growing up. And so releasing that thought, that process, that instillment when we started homeschooling was by far one of the most difficult things that I had to do. And, you know, and I remember you and I having a conversation, it's probably been a long time ago now, but where you said it's not, you know, an independent facility here. The marriage is, you know, we're a team and we address, wasn't it you that told me this? That we're like, you're a team. And it's like saying that you, you need to go on without your teammate. And so it's not about dependency or independency. It's about facing things as a team. And that helped me kind of get over that hump of really needing to, I've got to make as much money as he does. And honestly, and quite frankly, we are better off financially with me not working taxes wise, you know, with me not bringing in in financial pieces, but we are still both a team. We view it as our money. And that's a, that's a big problem in a lot of marriages where they don't share funds. And so you have this uh-huh. independence, separate checking, so, and, separate checking, uh-huh. separate, yeah, separate everything. And you're not, you're not a, a single front, you're right. As a marriage, you're two individuals mm-hmm. that happen to cohabitate and have the same last name. 
Um, but you know, I don't see very often. There was one time in a co-op that the child was struggling in public school with behavior issues or whatever. And the mom was a bus driver. And so she made decent, I mean, you can make some decent money as a bus driver. And so she would bring him to co-op after her bus route. And then she'd have to buzz out to go do her bus route and then come back and so on. But she made decent money doing that. And then the next year she put him back in public school because she had to find something else to make more money. So I have seen it happen, but I haven't really had the opportunity to sit down with someone that it's happened to and really go mm-hmm. through those that reasoning. What happened in the situation that you talked to, the lady that you talked to? Um, well, this mom was working, I believe, part-time. And I think maybe a couple of her kids were in public school and some, maybe one was still homeschooling. I don't know. I feel like it's homeschool related because I know a lot of families that are on income and doing this. I don't know. I think back to when my husband and I were talking about marriage and expectations and some people don't have those conversations if if you're single and you're homeschooling maybe that's a good conversation before you get remarried of just what the expectation is for the wife at home because to me I had always been interested in homeschooling I didn't know exactly what that all entailed but the idea of not in my opinion wasting time at high school because that was my big complaint you know I'm there all day long mom can you just homeschool me because I want to just do all my work in two to three hours and then read all afternoon. <laughs> like that was my life goal in high school. And while I did, you know, enjoy my friends and stuff, I tried to talk my mom into homeschooling me because I felt like I'm sitting in class listening to these teachers who maybe know just as much as I do on a subject sometimes. And I can read the book myself. You know, I don't need to be bored to tears doing worksheets. That just, Ugh. that was not my thing at all. <laughs> so when I met my soon to be future husband, we had those conversations like, well, what do you expect? Because growing up in my home, my mom always worked outside the home, but she would choose jobs like department store in the evening. So when my dad was off work, she would go to work. And then we would we didn't have really many babysitters. It was just them tag teaming whose responsibility it was because she always had to bring in some sort of income to supplement his. Or sometimes that was, we were in public school. So she worked as a cafeteria worker or a crossing guard. And so she was off in the summers and she was working during school hours. So we didn't really have babysitters or anything like that. She was still mom and she worked when we were busy, you know, doing our, our things that we were gone doing. So when I came into marriage, I didn't realize this. And this became kind of a point of not contention, but just discussion between my husband and I, because I kept making a lot of comments about like, I need to do my part. I need to be working and just feeling this anxiety that, I have a responsibility financially to our family. And my husband one day, and this was several years in, you know, we'd been homeschooling for a while. And he's like, I've never put that pressure on you. Mm-hmm. That's you. I've never asked you to do that. We understood that you would be home raising the kids, you know, and and doing homeschool with them. And so where is that coming from? And I was like, oh, that's just how I was raised. You mm-hmm. know, you mom has to do something to contribute financially. And I feel like, and like you've said, you grew up in more of a feminist household than my, my mom was not a feminist at all, but, but still the same thing, that pressure that, you know, Mm -hmm. you've got to have income. And my mom did, she'd say she'd have fun money or rainy day money. And she'd hold cash back at like, you know, that (laughs) one of her things was, you know, they used cash a lot to pay for groceries. So she would look at those deals. She would clip coupons and whatever from the grocery budget that was left over was her money. 
to do with whatever she wanted. So of course she was very motivated to find deals because we were broke a lot of the time. We did not grow up having a lot of money, uh, but she always found a way to find extra. Yeah. My mom, I always thought we didn't have money because of the attitude that <laughs> that my parents had towards money, but we really did. I mean, we were really middle of the middle class and um, my mom was a uh, she was in a corporate kind of job for a long time, and she was a director of a childcare center for a long time. And then she worked in a higher level, you know, where three people above her was the president, right? So mm-hmm. like she she worked her way up, and my stepdad um, worked at a a factory, so they made decent money, but they had four kids between them. My stepdad, you know, we were kind of the Brady bunch. My stepdad had two kids that he had full custody of. And my mom had my brother and I, which she had full custody of. And um, neither one of them received child support. And that was something that was discussed often. So well, we can't do A, B, and C because we don't get child support, you know, or we need to watch our grocery budget because we don't get child support. And so, but at the end of the day, looking back on it now, I'm like, uh, we had money. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we, I just didn't know it at the time. It's interesting to look at those things and and think about it. And my mom always, she was always so strong and so independent. And so, and so it's very difficult. Like you're saying, it's difficult to get out of that, that headset, that headspace with it. But, you know, in talking to my husband, we never had those conversations before we got married. It wasn't, I mean, we talked thousands and thousands of hours before we even started dating but that just wasn't anything that even crossed my mind or his mind as me staying at home. Like it never, never even considered it. And so when it, the need arose for us to homeschool and I was still working, I transitioned my job from high end part time, you know, four days a week. So almost full time to working mm-hmm. from home and as needed. And so I would go into the office if I needed to and I would just drag the kids with me. And looking back on that now, I wish I would have had a clean break then because my youngest at the time was in kindergarten. And so there was all these things that you needed, you know, but I had that pressure of, well, I've got to get A, B, and C done for work. And I still wasn't making that much money, but I thought that I had to contribute financially. And I thought that we were better off for it. And there are a lot of single moms that are homeschooling too. And so maybe we should talk about that a little bit and what that could look like and that kind of financial contribution um, in the homeschooling world, do you know anyone that's a single mom that's homeschooling? And do you know how they might make it work? I do know some single moms kind of similar to my mom's situation. They would maybe, you know, maybe they live in a multi-generational household. So with mm. grandparents there to hang out with the kid during the day and then whatever earned by the mom is contributed, you know, as part of the household that she's living with grandparents, you know, helping out with the the kids. So, I mean, there's ways to do that. And I applaud any woman who feels called to homeschool that is a single mom and is figuring it out because it, I don't even pretend to know all of the challenges that come with that. And I know that, you know, time-wise, I, I can't imagine just feeling very, very pulled in a lot of directions, but un- also understanding that you are the sole income for the family. So, I applaud you if you, if that's your situation, that's a, a lot to take on as well as full-time education of your child. I know for older kids, I've seen where like maybe mom works an, an, a different shift um, or can be um, home at whatever time is decided upon that the teen is going to do school 
you know, it's maybe easier with teenagers to do that. But yeah, I, I don't have experience with that. So I'm not going to pretend to be the expert on <laughs> how right. that all works. But we need to have someone um, on that's that's a single mom yeah. and homeschooling. So if you are, send us an email and um, yeah, we'll, we'll have you works. on. And, and, and I know that oftentimes they will have a different type of schedule. I mean, their homeschooling is obviously yeah. going to look very, very different from ours, which it should be. Every All of our homeschools are individualized. Uh-huh. And, but the stress of that, has to be pretty tremendous, I would think. And nowadays with COVID schooling, a lot more opportunities have come up. I know there's places that offer space for rent for, you know, your kid to be dropped off with like a little pod of kids who are learning at home, or uh, there's a lot more co-op options or drop-off programs. I mean, even the YMCA has things, you know, there's a lot of opportunities depending on what area of the country that you live in, that your child could be very safe under the care of someone else doing their schoolwork that you've assigned them uh, in a setting that is with other children, but just mm-hmm. um, as an option. So, I mean, I think it, it's homeschooling is only getting more and more innovative and it's not going to shrink anytime soon I, as a movement is picking up a lot more steam. So the point to that would be that if you find yourself in a situation where you do need to go back to work full time, maybe not jump to the idea of having to send your children or child back to public school when in fact think outside the box kind of slow down that decision making and look at it more methodically and think you know what are my support systems what are you know how important is this is this something that is truly god led that i need to really be homeschooling this child for whatever reason and you know look at those and figure out who your support system is and how they can help you and it doesn't have to be sitting at a desk from eight to four or whatever you can do. There's a lot of people that homeschool in the evenings. There was a website I found not too long ago that was uh, the husband and wife were both doctors. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, one of them worked during the day mostly and the other one worked night shift at the hospital. And so, and they homeschooled their kids. Obviously that's not going to be a good situation for everyone involved, but they made it work. It wouldn't be something for everyone to be able to do, but it certainly worked for them. And they, there's a blog, there, this was years and years ago, and I saw that and I thought, okay, so people that work full-time can do it. And this is, you know, you just, it have- just has to look different for each family. And um, so there's a lot of us that don't have that familial um, support. It would be more right. difficult, but you can still think outside the box. And it, like I said, it doesn't have to be um, super stringent schedules. There are ways of making it work one way or another, if that mm-hmm. is what you feel led to do. Right. And I think I, I've told you this, and I think this is becoming my new um, go-to phrase of just as much as we talk about homeschooling and you know the different areas that we serve in our own local homeschool community and through this podcast, I really feel like our job is communicating to other women the confidence that you can do this. You can keep doing this when it gets hard, when financial situations change, when you move, when you're struggling with your relationship with your child. If that is what you're called to do because you have a very strong conviction that the public school system is not where your child should be if you can't afford private education. And you know, not affording private education doesn't mean that that's necessarily the best choice either. <laughs> just mm-hmm. because you can't afford it doesn't mean that you're playing second fiddle here to just, oh, well, I guess I'll homeschool then because that's what I can afford. Homeschooling on its own has its own merit and worth. And we all know that we've been doing this for a lot of years, but I think especially when it gets hard or financial issues come up, 
it's easy to think that, you know, I've, I've had those thoughts and be, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> we try to calculate if I was making X amount of money doing what I did before full time for the 10, 11 now years that I've been homeschooling, how much money is that? And our house would be paid off and everything would be, we'd be going mm-hmm. on vacations all the time. Like we've somehow managed to make it work with our financial situation because we sacrifice and we give up a lot of extras. And it is easy sometimes to look at our friends. I mean, we could do a whole episode on lusting after our friends' stuff that they have or oh, yeah. you know, that jealousy of sometimes the experiences that they have, but nothing will ever, ever compare or come close to the worth and value of educating your child at home right. and spending that time with them you know, if financial situations change, my husband and I, I mean, we have a beautiful house. We have a, we're very comfortable right now. If things should change, we have talked about, this is just a house. This is just stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, the important thing would be that we could keep our kids at home with us. So if we have to downsize, if we move into a different neighborhood or whatever that looks like, the bottom line is that we feel called to homeschooling. So when it gets tough, I just want to encourage you, maybe you're out here listening and it is very, very difficult right now, financially or otherwise, or there's just a lot of stress lean into your why. Why are you doing this? Why are you still homeschooling? Why did you choose this to begin with? What was the motivation behind that? And then everything else seems to shift perspective-wise. And I know I get really fired up when I start thinking about like, you know, why did I start doing this? Because I thought that I I just, I missed my child when they were, the thought of them being gone from me and getting like the tired child that's cranky at the end of the night, like I was getting Mm-hmm. was not what I wanted. It was, I didn't have kids so that they, they could be raised by someone else. And that was one thing that was a phrase from my childhood. Even though we went to public school, my parents really felt like we weren't going to have a bunch of babysitters. What mm-hmm. we did was as a family and what we, you know, we spent a lot of time at home playing board games and those memories are awesome. Mm-hmm. And I want that for my children. What about you, Amanda? Why did you start homeschooling and what do you think about when things get tough? I started homeschooling. I was, I came into it kicking and screaming. I didn't want to homeschool. I never thought that it was the path for me, but um, God and all of his glory and his infinite funny bone uh, decided that that's something that we needed to do. You cannot convince me that God doesn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> and, you know, uh, there was a lot of things that happened that aligned that can only be explained by God making those decisions and pulling uh-huh. those strings and making it happen the way that it happened. And he only he would know how many things needed to take place in order for us to actually do it. And so <laughs> it took a lot for us to finally um, pull the kids. Well, when you finally got settled in and you finally had that moment, I mean, I don't know, maybe it wasn't a full moment, but usually there's a point of realization that, you know what, this is this is the best thing for our family. Right. And when envisioning what it would look like if I send them back, you yeah. know, and I will still do that from time to time. And what would it look like if we went back? And um, every so often when the kids were little, uh, the school bus would drive by and say, you guys want to go get on it? You can go back to school at any time to say it. And they're like, no, it's not happening, mom. <laughs> so they were getting a lot more out of it. They were having a better experience because of it. They're grateful for it. Uh, my 18-year-old's recently been asking questions about why we started homeschooling and um, what brought us to that point and all of that. And mm-hmm. it ultimately came to the conclusion that it literally saved his life. And he, so he's grateful for it at a deeper level than a lot of kids might be. So the public school, my kids being special needs that they are, my, the public school was just not equipped to handle 
uh, what they needed to handle. And I'm not equipped for it either, quite frankly, but they're my kids. And so I'm going to know them almost as well as, as God does, right? I know that even though I'm not perfect in the way that I address things, I am the right way to address. I know that I'm the best way to address those things. And sometimes my husband will say something about, you know, not having enough money or um, he'll like, he likes to poke me a little bit and make little comments. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe Aaron, you know, my, know my husband. I know. Um, I'm right. Now. right. And he, uh, I'll say, okay, well, that's fine. I'll go back to work and you can homeschool the kids. And he'll say, do you want them stupid? (laughs) (laughs) And so that's kind of our little back and forth jab because, and that tells me he's not a person to give compliments, but that's kind of an affirmation that he, it's his acknowledgement of knowing that what we're doing is worthwhile and it's doing something. It's doing what's right for them. Even if he doesn't come right out and say it, I know that's what he means by it. So that's what I do when things get hard. And I try to envision what it would look like, you know, empathetically look at what the, would the days be like for them in a public school setting? And Mm -hmm. can I live with that? Is that something that would be appropriate for them? And if the answer to that is an emphatic no, then we have to look at a different way. And that's what I've done throughout the years. If I, you know, on the days where I'm frustrated, that's what I do. Yeah. Well, and you say it best. I think you have made the comment a few times now. You have to choose your hard. Homeschooling is hard. Public school, private school, whatever educational choice you choose, there are elements to it that are not perfect, that will make you frustrated, that you will get angry at, or that you didn't see coming. And so I never want anyone to to hear judgment for their school choice that they're making. Because as parents, I think, you know, the ultimate thing here is we have parental choice over our our child's education and however we feel fit or best fits their needs. And so there is no judgment from us at all because we know so many people who have chosen multiple different educational avenues for their children. However, I do feel very strongly that homeschooling is the best choice or I wouldn't be doing it for my family. And I just always want to encourage other women who are considering it or, you know, have done it for a long time to think about the benefits of it and to understand that, like you said, you're the mom, you love those kids and have their best interest in mind hundred percent of the time, more than anybody in the school, no matter how wonderful the teacher is, no matter how wonderful the counselor is, or the, the, you know, principal, the staff, whatever they, you know, a lot of them love children truly but they're not going to love them the way that you do as a mother. And at the end of the day, we can do it best no matter what that looks like. And like you said, you can tailor things. I mean, what every classroom teacher that I've ever heard talk about was how wonderful a small class size would be and individualized education plans for each of the children so that they can learn the best way that they can to be successful. Because really that's the goal is successful um, education. You know, for a lot of us as believers, that includes a religious um, biblical worldview and that isn't offered. So at so many different places, especially public schools. So if we feel very strongly about that, then how can we make that possible in our own homes? And a lot of the time that looks like home education. Yep. And homeschooling is the ultimate IEP. It really is. I've said that a lot too. Like so many schools are saying, well, we can do A, B, and C for this child's IEP, but really being at home is the ultimate because you can do, and it's hard, like you said, and but it's worth it because we can see those little changes and those little growth opportunities in our children. Um, and we can identify them before school will. And it, even the best teachers are not going to see every single thing. And 
being able to see that makes that worth it for sure. Mm -hmm. So full circle back to the whole topic of moms feeling pressure to work outside the home. You know, I mean, maybe it's just a simple evaluation. Do you, are you financially in a place that you do actually need to bring in extra income? Or are you also in a place where you could cut back on some things? We've had to evaluate that, especially with the economy and gas Mm -hmm. prices and food prices. We've been living differently as I'm sure everybody else has as well, making smarter choices when we go out and choosing our routes differently so we can pick up multiple things at once when we're driving into town or whatever. You know, we're a little bit out of (laughs) town here in the rural Missouri. Yeah. So we're all making these different choices. So I would like to encourage you, just encourage you, you know, taking it homeschooling off the table, may it be a last resort to other changes that could be made to be financially stable in your home. And, you know, just, we could have a whole episode on free homeschool resources that are available to us. The internet, go to the library. I mean, you have all, all the things and tools in the world to be able to successfully educate your child at home. Co-ops are wonderful, but they're not necessary. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, socialization, I I just, this could be a whole other topic. I see so many of us like to joke about, you know, what about socialization? But I feel like a lot of people, especially COVID schoolers that are new to the idea of small learning environments with littler class sizes and things are so worried still. So mm-hmm. I think it's infiltrating a little bit some of us long haulers ideals of, but what about socialization? Like they're really panicking and they're homeschoolers now. So now the homeschoolers are panicking about socialization when it's like, just chill, you know, for Mm -hmm. (laughs) generations, there was not a classroom size of 25 or more kids all the same age. You know, this is a new idea. Socializing looks like mother and daughter having a conversation. What better way to teach your child how to socialize than to have a conversation with them? Right. And you socialize your dogs, not your children, right? Exactly. And then we could talk about the whole history of what does socialization actually mean? It means becoming a socialist. So You keep saying that word, but it does not mean what do you think it means. That's right. So (laughs) anyways, I hope you're encouraged listening today that you can homeschool. There There are lots of, maybe we could start a discussion on our Facebook page about how the many creative ways as us creative homeschool moms have come up with to earn side income while still homeschooling or giving up that fear of lack, you know? Uh Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. You can find us at homeschoolingpodcast at gmail.com. The website, go at homeschoolingpodcast.com. Just go there and it has all of our links to the social media on there. Um, You can even, we're going to probably start having a newsletter. You can put your email address in there. And so we'll um, send you out notifications of new episodes and things. There's episode links on there. Um, You can look at guest bios from past guests and we'll have some stuff on there about future guests. And there's all kinds of stuff to look at. You can get lost in it for days. Thanks for listening today. We hope you'll subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to suggest topics for us to discuss, or if you have any questions, find us at Goat Homeschooling on Facebook, on Instagram at Goat Homeschool. And email us at goathomeschoolingpodcast at gmail.com. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.